Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of May 2011, entitled The Why and How of Missions, Part 1, The Why. And the Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand for the honoring of God's holy word from the Gospel of Mark chapter 16 this morning. Verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Father, we thank you again this morning for this time that you have given us. Lord, to be able to come together in your house in this place that has been set aside Lord, to, to, to worship you, to serve you. Father, we thank you that as we gather here this morning, we can have the confidence of knowing that we have your preserved word in our hands. Lord, that we have your Holy Spirit within us. Father, that today as we gather here today, Lord, that we can have a confidence in knowing that you are able to speak to our hearts in a way that is beyond man. Father, you know every heart here this morning You know the lost that need to be saved, the backsliders that need to be restored, the Christians that need to be encouraged and challenged. And Lord, we just pray that your will would be accomplished, that the message that you have for each and every individual here today, for the need of their heart, that it would be accomplished, Lord, and that we would be receptive and responsive to that which you have for us. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. I guess over the years, I've certainly often been asked different questions concerning this matter of missions. Now, most of you that have been here any time will know that though the missions conference technically begins on Wednesday, you know, the Sunday before the conference starts, and really at various times throughout the year, we still like to take our focus to God's Word. Now, It is also a time that generally most years on this Sunday I would be speaking to you either this morning or this evening on the matter of faith promise giving. Well, I'm going to touch on that. And, of course, some of the questions come in different ways. You know, why do we support all these missionaries? Why do we have missions conferences? We could support missionaries without having missions conferences. Why do we teach faith promise and encourage people to make actual commitments to the Lord as to what they're going to do for the cause of missions? Well, I want to really address two things this morning, which I hope will answer some of those questions and others, because I'm certainly not ashamed this morning to say to you, we can see it in all kinds of different ways. Jesus Christ came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. We've been looking for the last 21 sermons in our series on the Holy Spirit, and we have seen the work that God himself, and we've looked at all the teachings around the Holy Spirit, that really it comes back to one of those central things is that the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit, just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, but that God the Holy Spirit is here 
on this earth, that the work of Jesus Christ might be carried on and carried out through the lives of believers. I believe this. There are many important things that we do as a church. But folks, the greatest task we have, our greatest purpose in being, is that the lost might be one to Christ. We can get sidetracked from that view. We can get sidetracked on so many things and so many things that are happening and so many things that are going on. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that God has blessed our fellowship as he has, both with you folks that are here, others that are not here today, with our facilities that he's allowed us to do so much to and not owe a penny on it, I believe with all my heart it is because of your desire, of your vision, of your burden that is outward reaching and not inward focusing, not focusing upon what we need and what we must do, but focusing outward on these missionaries and getting the gospel to the ends of the world. Why should we support missions? Why should we have missions conferences? Why should we place so much importance upon them? And how? How should we be involved? How should we accomplish this task? Now, folks, I'm going to roll a whole lot into a capsule, into a nutshell today. But even then, there's no way. This, the purpose is not that we can discuss and talk about everything to do with the matter of missions today in this one Lord's Day. Matter of fact, most of what I say today shouldn't be new to you, I hope. It is to remind us. God willing, we're going to be looking this morning on that why of missions and this evening on the how. You need to be here for both. You see, if God really does touch your heart and show you this morning why that missions are so important, then God willing, this evening we're going to be looking at how does God want you involved? If it's so important, how is that work going to be accomplished? How is it going to go forward? Now, I might give you a few warnings. If God does actually speak to you this morning through his word, not through me, not what I've got to say, but by the power of his spirit through his word, if he speaks to your heart, and if you're reminded or get some glimpse even in a small part of just how important this matter of missions is, if you're afraid of what God may want you to do, then maybe you don't want to come tonight. <laughs> Because we're going to talk this morning about why it's important, but we're going to talk this evening on how you can do something about it. And I trust that you can be a part of both because I believe that, again, there is nothing. Underline it, capitalize it, bold print it, italicize it, do anything you want. There is nothing, no message that's more important than the fact that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, that he died upon that cross, that he rose again the third day, that right now, today, he is there alive and well, interceding for you at the sight of the Father, that he has left a job and a task for us, that his work, not mine and yours, that his work 
might be carried on through the believers, through the church that he has established and built himself. Why should we be involved? Well, maybe we can get real personal. Maybe the question you should ask this morning is, why should I be involved? William Carey, I'm sure, is not a name that would be unfamiliar to most of you this morning. Oswald J. Smith, in his book entitled The Challenge of Life, he wrote these things. He noted that even the directors of the East India Company opposed Carey's work. He says, following is the idiotic resolution that they presented to Parliament. The sending out, I quote, the sending out of missionaries into one eastern possession is the maddest, most extravagant, most costly, most indefensible project which has ever been suggested by a moonstruck fanatic. That's what Parliament thought of Mr. William Carey going to India. He added this, in 1796, the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland passed the following infamous resolution. I quote, to spread the knowledge of the gospel amongst barbarians and heathens seems to be highly preposterous. One speaker in the House of Commons said that he would rather see a band of devils let loose in India than a band of missionaries, <laughs> assuming he thought they would do them more good. I'm saying this to say this. Mr. William Carey, against all those odds, against all of that opposition, he did go to India anyway. And I quote him when he made this statement. He said, why is my soul disquieted within me? He said, things may turn out better than I expect. <laughs> Everything is known to God, and God cares. You see, he wasn't there for himself. And I think that as we read the facts, I think Mr. William Carey stood the test. <laughs> I think that there is a reason why that many authors today would call him the father of modern missions. Why? That's the question we're asking. Why? Why are missions so important? Why should we as a church be involved? Why should you as an individual be involved? Well, I want to make something clear. If you weren't here last Sunday evening, then you missed it. We looked at that thought of being ambitious to please. But our aim and our ambition in life being to please the Lord, we looked at three reasons. One was a coming judgment the Bema Seat of Christ, that each and every one of us as believers will be present at. The second was a compelling force. It is the love of Christ that constraineth us, the apostle said. And third was a committed ministry. We, as ambassadors for Christ, the ministry of reconciliation was committed to us as his followers. Well, we could go back, and all those things are important, and all those things within themselves are a pretty good reason for being involved 
in missions. But I want to remind you of that one which we called a compelling force. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 said, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Why? Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. When Hudson Taylor was director of the China Inland Mission, often it was his responsibility to interview those people that were candidates to, to go there to work on the mission field in China. He was meeting a group of applicants at one point, and he was simply trying to deserve, discern this very question we're asking this morning, why? Why? What was their motivation for wanting to go to the mission field? He asked them, says, why do you wish to go as a foreign missionary? Of course, there were all kinds of answers, and a couple of them we'll be looking at this morning. When he asked one, he said, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a good reason, isn't it? It's a good reason. We just got through reading it in God's Word. Another gave this. He said, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. We're going to look at that reason in a minute too. That's a good reason. That's true. There were all kinds of different answers, but Hudson Taylor made this statement. And I quote him, he says, all of these motives, however good, will fail you in times of testing, trials, tribulations, and possible death. There is but one motive that will sustain you in trial and testing, and namely, that is, the love of Christ You see, we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to give you some biblical reasons, and you can either... Obey them or disobey them. As a child of God, I wouldn't recommend disbelieving them if we show them to you in God's Word. But the truth is this. Just as we saw when looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that without love, it's useless. Just a bunch of noise. We've talked about this matter of love. So many times, and I'm saying this morning, keep this in mind. Why should you be involved in missions? Why should missions be so important to this church? Well, may it be the love of Christ that constraineth, first of all, because I want you to understand this. Unless you really love God, then a lot of these other things aren't going to matter to you unless you really love Him and love His Word. You see, if you love Him, as we saw last week, you're going to want to please Him. But don't with one side of your mouth say, oh, I love the Lord. And yet, with your actions, 
show otherwise. As we look this morning, I believe that in our text this morning, we find that one of those missionaries that Mr. Taylor was interviewing hit the nail on the head when he said that he was going because it was commanded. I'm saying this morning, why is missions important? Well, it's commanded. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't think that you have to go back to the Greek to understand that. I love doing the word studies. I don't think there's anything questionable that we've got to try to get our head around and say, what in the world is he talking about? I'm saying this morning, why is it important for this church and for you? Because it is commanded of God. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A missionary in Africa was asked once if he really liked what he was doing. Now you'd expect him to say, oh yes, great, greatest thing in all the world. But actually his response was quite shocking. He said, do I like this work? No. He said, my wife and I don't like dirt. We don't like having to crawl through vile huts, through goat refuse to get there. But he asked this question. He said, but is a man to do nothing for Christ that he doesn't like? God pity him. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. He said, we have orders to go. Therefore, we go. Whether we like it, whether we like where we are, that's not the question. We obey his command to go. And he goes on with that same thought that we mentioned earlier, and it's love that constrains us. If you love him, it will matter to you. Don't tell me you love God and then say it doesn't matter what he says. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. That's not real deep, is it? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's easy. That's simple to understand. God said, go. I'm saying to you today, why are missions important to this church and to you personally? Because if you really love God, then you will want to obey what God has said and God has simply said to you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You say, man, I can't tell the whole world. I can't reach them all by myself. Well, we'll look at some of those things tonight and how you can do that. What I want you to grasp right now is, okay, some way, somehow, I need to be able to obey God. If I really love him, I've got to be able to obey that command. James, as he does with many things, he puts it very simple and very plain. You look with me into James chapter 1. Notice what he says beginning in verse 22. 
He says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror he's talking about there. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The perfect law of liberty. In other words, James is saying very clearly, you know, <laughs> you can look in the mirror, you can see yourself, you can turn around and go away and just forget, completely forget what you saw there. But he says we need to be doers. Not just hears, it's not enough just to know. The perfect law of liberty. That's what will show you. That's what we need to not just learn, but to live. It is God that said, go ye. What does ye mean? It includes you. Now he was speaking to the 11 there, the Bible says which was the apostles, which were the foundation of the church, he teaches us. So he was, teach, he was speaking to you, ye is plural, for each and every one of you, for all of you. All of you, yes, the 11. But all of you, the church, this is the foundation that's being laid. He's building his church. This is his marching orders before he goes. These guys are the foundation of the church, and this is what the church is responsible for to do once I leave. All of you are responsible to go into all the world. We sing that great hymn many times, and I think that the songwriter had such a wonderful truth when he said, trust and obey. Trust and obey. See, our first step, Brother Lynn, is to trust God, <laughs> to trust Him for salvation, to trust Him to, to forgive us of our sins and to make us His child. Trust Him, but not just to trust Him for salvation, to trust Him in life, to trust Him every day, to walk by faith. Trust and obey. Obey. Live by His Word. Do what He says. Trust and obey. The songwriter says, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I believe that he hit on something. You see, we could spend much time there, but you need to grasp this this morning, very simply. I'm saying to you, the Bible says, don't go talking about loving God if you're not willing to be obedient. If you're not willing to obey his commandments. You don't really love him. You're just talking. The Bible says you're actually deceiving yourself. I'm saying to you today, if you really love him, this church, you individually, each and every one of us, 
We need to be involved in missions because it's his commandment. He commanded it. And if we love him, we will be obedient to what he's asked of us. Secondly, not only, not only is missions important because it is commanded, that ought to be reason enough. If there was no other reason in all the Bible, in all the world, from what we've seen even in these few verses this morning, that should be enough. But secondly, notice what the next verse says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's pretty strong language. There's only one way to be saved. That's to believe. And, of course, the baptism that follows, the obedience that follows, and all of that, not because they need it to be saved, but because they are saved. <laughs> That's part of our commission. Not just to see them saved, but to baptize them and to teach them to observe all things whatsoever He's commanded. But if they believe not, notice it's just believe. If they believe not, they shall be damned. What is He talking about? And do we really care? Well, you know, we could go into an awful lot of places in God's Word. The simple truth is there is absolutely, you, you can't think of anything that would be too horrific. You can't think of anything that would be too horrible, that would be too painful. I'm saying your, mag your imagination cannot even begin to go, just as the Bible teaches us that we can't even begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like because we have never experienced anything in our lives that is not tainted and cursed by sin. We can't begin. But boy, what we do know is fantastic, but it's so far even better than that that our minds can't go there. The same is true for hell, the opposite. You can't begin to comprehend and understand the damnation that the Bible is talking about here. For those that don't believe, there is only one course. There is only one place that they can end up, and it's that place called hell. They will be damned for all of eternity. Does that matter to us? Let me ask you this, just for the people that you know and care about, okay? Your children, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, you go right through the whole list, your next-door neighbors, your best friends, the people you go to school with, the people you work with, the people you intimately know. Does it matter that if they don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that they will be damned for all of eternity? We hear people make light of that word all the time, and they go around just, just using it as a byword, as a swear word. We're talking serious stuff. Does it matter? Does it make any difference whatsoever that those 
that don't believe will be damned. Warren Wiersbe in his book, Something Happens When Churches Pray, he tells about someone that was a good friend of his, a Dr. E. Myers Harrison. And he talks in this book about a, a missionary message that he would never forget that this man brought. Apparently, it was just to a small group of people, but it had an eternal impact on his life. Apparently, Dr. Harrison is at home with the Lord now, gone from this world. But that message that day had a tremendous impact. He said that each and every one of us as Christians must hear what God has to say. That command, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, have you heard it? Have you really heard it? Is it just words on a page? Have you heard God echoing that message to you and I? He said, I've heard people say, but God wants our church to be different. God doesn't want us involved in all this missionary program stuff. He said, I don't care who they are. I can't believe that. He said, the word of God, that command is to every Christian, to every assembly that God has raised up anywhere. That's the cry from above. And he said, there's a cry from beneath. So remember the rich man who died and woke up in hell and begged for someone to go and tell his brothers, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He said there's the cry from above, the command of God. There's the cry from beneath from those that have been damned for eternity. If we could hear those cries, he said, we would surely recognize how important it is to get the gospel to everyone. And according to Dr. Harrison, there's also the call from without. We read that in Acts 16, 9. <laughs> We hear the Macedonian call, the Apostle Paul. Come over into Macedonia, help us. People all around the world today are saying, please come and help us. So much money, so much time, so much energy is being spent on so many religious church matters, church activities. While the world around us is dying and going to hell because that is not as important to them as all of their church programs. You see, the truth is nothing should be more important. Everything that we do in the end should come back to the reality 
of Jesus Christ himself being able to be seen in our lives and work through us and use us. If Jesus Christ were in his own flesh, in his own body, would the same things be important to him today? Would he be busying himself in the same way? Why are missions important? Folks, I cannot begin to grasp to tell you the level of importance that it is to this church and to you. I can't preach it. Too hard, too long. The reality is God commanded it. And if we love him, then we ought to have a desire to obey him, to follow his commandments. It's a command, but it should be important to us because it's compassionate. I won't dwell there. I'll read you these verses. We looked at them last Sunday. That great passage in Romans chapter 10 that we so often use in leading people to Christ. And yet just after all of that wonderful scripture in telling us how to be saved, remember what he said in verse 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, good things. Matthew chapter 9. Notice, in Matthew chapter 9, what it says, beginning in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Notice it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We could turn, and I won't because... I'm fighting the clock already. A very familiar story. We find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 30 to 37, we call it the story of the Good Samaritan. The man on the wayside had been beaten and he was left for half dead. We see the religious people coming along. We see them passing by on the other side, not getting involved. I'm sure they've got all the reasons and all the excuses in the world. The reality is today, people are laying by the wayside. There was only one, the least likely one of all, that came along, the Samaritan. And he went to him. And he bound up his wounds. And he put him on his own horse. And he took him to the inn. 
And when they got him to the inn, even there he left word, you know, take care of whatever is needed. Here's some money. If that's not enough, I'll take care of it when I come back. Nothing was too much to help that one in need. The Bible asks a question, which, which of these was neighbor to him? You see, today, I'm saying, folks, missions, there is nothing in your life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing that should be more important to you than reaching this world with the gospel. The truth is that we ought to all be involved in missions because it's commanded and because it's compassionate. The option for those that don't hear is not something we want to even think about. That's the price that will be paid if you and I don't make it the priority in our life that it ought to be. I can't overstress that to you today. Why should we, why should you be involved in missions? Because it is commanded. Because it is compassionate. And I'm just going to nail it down with the third one, and we'll leave it there. Because it is Christian. We use that word a lot, don't we? Christians. Some years ago, a man by the name of Norman Cousins wrote an editorial in what was called the Saturday Review. He reported a conversation that he had had on a trip that he had recently taken to India. He was talking with a Hindu priest by the name of Santis Prasad. What shocked him was that the man told him that he was actually wanting to come to America to be a missionary. Well, Cousin's natural assumption was that he was talking about coming to America to be a missionary for the Hindu religion. But apparently Prasad said, oh, no. I'd like to convert them to the Christian religion. He said, Christianity can't survive in the abstract. That's where so many times it's easiest to keep it. It needs not membership, he said, but believers. He said, the people of your country may claim they believe in Christianity, but from what I read at this distance, Christianity is more accustomed than anything else. I would ask that either you accept the teachings of Jesus in your everyday life and in your affairs as a nation or stop invoking his name as sanctioned for everything that you do. He said, I want to save Christianity from the Christians. Do you think that when the world looks upon us that claim to be the Christian leaders of the world, do you think what they see is true Christianity? C.T. Studd, a name that would be familiar to many of you, a great athlete, a great cricketer, one of the original, what was it, Cambridge Seven, that, uh, that the group that went out to 
India. He was wealthy, nationally famous. But C.T. Studd put it all aside to go to the mission field. He ended up going to China and India and Africa. Thirteen years. He was completely lost from sight. Nobody heard a word from him. They thought he was dead. But he wasn't. He was asked the question, why? <laughs> why would you do that? I love his statement. It says, some people love to dwell near church with choir and steeple bell. But I want to run a rescue station a yard from the gates of hell. We like our comfort zone, folks. We like to be in the areas where we feel comfortable in our churches. Those people that think like we think, do like we do. C.T. Studd said, you know, I'm not worried about being comfortable there. He said, I want to run a rescue mission, a yard from the gates of hell. Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Why were they called Christians? Because of what they were doing. It wasn't just some name or tag it was actually a derisive title that was put upon them because they were like little Christ. They were followers of Christ. They were imitating Christ. You see, the term Christian denotes Christ-likeness, and it denotes Christ-likeness in more than just word, but it's your life and your actions that will attest to who you are. The Gospel of Luke Chapter 6, notice beginning in verse 46, he says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when the flood came and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. You see, he says, why in the world? Why do you call me your Lord? Why do you call yourself one of my followers? Why do you call yourself a Christian? And then not do the things that I say. Also in the Gospel of Luke, just a few pages over in Luke chapter 19, we quoted this verse earlier, and I think it's important that we let it sink in. We are supposed to be followers of Christ. 
We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. The Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Great Commission is given in every one of the Gospels. Sometimes it's overlooked in John. But I think John is probably the most personable place that is given at all. As Jesus met there with his apostles in that upper room, and he said, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Folks, Jesus was sent to this world to die and shed his blood to pay for our sins, to come out of that grave and prove victorious over death, hell, and the grave to be there right now for you and I as our mediator, the only mediator that we have between us and God. He came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. As the Father has sent me, he said, even so send I you. That should be what it's about. That's what being a Christian is. That's what being an imitator of Christ is. That's what being his follower is. In closing, I give you this illustration. Alila was her name. She stood on the beach and she was holding a tiny baby, tiny infant son, six months old, just holding him close to her heart. Tears had begun to well up in her eyes as she began slowly walking toward the river's edge. She stepped into the water. She made her way further and further out until finally as she was about waist deep, the water began to just gently lap against the sleeping baby. She stood there for quite a while, the tears streaming down her face, holding the child tightly. And then all of a sudden, in one quick movement, she threw that six-month-old baby into the river, to its watery death. Native missionary M.V. Varghese tells this story himself. He says he's often witnessed amongst the crowds that gather at the Gangs River. He said it was he personally that came to Alila that day as she was kneeling in the sand as she was crying uncontrollably, as she was beating her own self, he said with compassion he knelt beside her and he asked her what was wrong. He said that, that through her sobs, through her crying, she told him. She told him what she had just done. She said, the problems in my home are too many. And my sins are heavy on my heart. So I offered the best that I've got to the goddess gangs, my firstborn son. Brother Varhe said his heart ached. He saw this desperate woman. As she continued to gently weep, he began to tell her about Jesus. 
He began to tell her what Jesus came and did for her. He began to tell her how that through Jesus her sins could be forgiven. He said at one point she looked at him and said, I've never heard these things before. And she asked this question, which is what I want you to grasp this morning. It says, why couldn't you have come 30 minutes earlier? Why couldn't you have come 30 minutes earlier? Because if you had, my child wouldn't have had to die. You see, folks, we need to grasp this. I can't tell you how important missions ought to be to us. I can't explain to you the priority it should have in your life. I can give you these three simple things this morning, and there's many others in Scripture, but it ought to be important to you because it's commanded. It ought to be important to you because it's compassionate, and it ought to be important to you because it's Christian. It's what we're about. It's what we're supposed to be about as Christians. Every year, millions and millions of people around this world are going to an eternity in hell. Even today, as we sit here in our fine, comfortable church, there are still those along the Gangs River throwing their babies into the river because that's what they've been taught. That's how they've been taught to overcome their sins. Why? When answering the why of missions, I hope that you can begin to grasp from these simple verses in God's Word just how important it is. And I'm going to ask you here this morning. You say, we're going to sing our closing hymn. I've gone past my time already. We're going to sing our closing hymn. Very simple question. Will we listen to what we sing? It asks a question. Have I done my best for Jesus? God's not asking you to be William Carey. He's not asking you to be Hudson Taylor. He's not asking you to be anybody in all the world except his child that loves him enough, that will do what he says, that will feel what he feels for the lost world around us, that will be what we're supposed to be in being imitators of Christ to this world. Now, I want to encourage you. You know, God's going to love you, and I'm going to love you anyway. If, if you really believe it's important, will you do me a favor? Will you, will you at least attempt to be here this evening? And we can look at some ways of how. If it's that important, how can I do something about it? What does God want me to do? I want you to admit, first of all, this morning and answer that simple question, have you done your best for Jesus? Does the matter of winning the lost to Christ have the place that it ought to have in your life? And this morning, 
as we sing. If you need to pray where you are, if you need to come here and pray, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'm saying, folks, we need to get serious with God. We're not here to play church, to play games. We're here to see the work of Christ carried out. When you answer that question, you say, Preacher, I want to tell you something. There is nothing in this world. You want to know joy and peace and happiness like you have never known it before? You want that? Well, you're not going to know it because you come in here this morning and I pat you on the back and tell you what a great, fantastic job that you're doing. doesn't matter if you never win anybody to Christ. doesn't matter if you're involved in missions. None of it makes any difference. And you know what? I'm not here this morning to play on your emotions. I've tried to share simple truths from God's Word, and I believe this. You want your life to be fulfilling. You want to know peace that passes all understanding. You want to know a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Let God have your life this morning. Let your life be used for what God wants to use it for. You see, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can feel bad because you haven't done what you should have done to this point. None of that's going to do you any good. You can leave here miserable if you want to. I want you to leave here with peace in your heart. But you said, God, thanks for reminding me. Have I done my best for Jesus? Is there more that I need to do? Do I want to really give my life to him today? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time that we've had together. Now, Lord, as we sing this closing hymn, I pray, Lord, that you would just simply do the work that only you can do in each heart. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to waste our lives patting ourselves on the back and feeling good about the things that don't matter. I pray today that you get a hold of our hearts, that you'd help us to recognize why this matter of mission is so important. Why? Why that you have, have it recorded for us why it was your final marching orders, your final message to us as you left to go into all this world and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us to grasp that. Help us to understand that. Help us, Lord, to truly give ourselves to you in a way that you can accomplish what you would desire through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.